Hello and welcome to B2B Better, a podcast for B2B professionals looking to be better than boring with their marketing. My name's Jason. I've spent the last 10 years building content, social, and communication plans to help B2B companies hit their brand and revenue goals. Every week, I break down the strategies and tactics that you should be thinking about in a fun-sized, actionable chunks, usually with an expert from the field. This is real advice for B2B professionals who want to be better. Let's go. So today on B2B Better, I'm joined by Sanyo Jitandi, founder of Anthro, a community newsletter and online resource to help fill the branding knowledge gap for startups. How are you doing, Sanya? Hey, Jason. I'm doing good. Thank you. And thank you for pronouncing my name perfectly. That makes me so happy. I have no <laughs> idea. Um, but thank you so much for having me today on this super sunny English day. I'm so happy to be with you. It's absolutely beautiful outside. And I'm so happy that we finally got a chance to talk on the podcast we've been chatting for a a long time now on twitter and um, i've been wanting to get you on for a long time to talk about branding in b2b i'm I'm so glad that we finally got a chance to sit down and do it me too i'm excited it should be a good sesh so tell me a little bit about you tell me a little bit about anthro Uh, what's your story how do you get to where you are today yeah totally so i will try and keep this maybe a little bit chronological and brief because I feel like I could probably go on about this all day but yeah to start um I feel like I've always had an interest in like marketing brand in some capacity whether I knew what those things were or not is a different kind of situation um when I was quite young like 18 going into my 20s and whatnot I feel like I actually had quite a few amazing um experiences in terms of internships and like some initial first jobs that really influenced me way more than I ever thought um so I did a marketing and events internship with Shoom when I was like 18 um obviously they are you know continuing to smash it every single year and I never forget how much the team there has taught me um Mm. they always had a very human approach to marketing um use a lot of even traditional methods of marketing as well. I remember having to call loads of people, uh, invite them to things, um, send out invitations by hand to like local businesses and local people in the community when uh, the restaurant just launched. Um, so yeah, a really human approach to business. Um, and then the one other like thing that's always stuck with me from them around just making sure that you are really communicating your brand at every single touch point that your audience is engaging with. Um, so yeah, love that. Influenced me a lot. Um, did some work in European Parliament, which was fun over in Brussels. So worked on some political campaigns. Bit nerdy, but good fun. Um, did some marketing, like mainly press office stuff for a fashion house in New Delhi, which was so cool. Um, and yeah, had the best time. Cultural differences there were interesting in terms of work life. So obviously here in the UK, I think we tend to work quite fast paced, whereas things there are generally a lot more chilled out. People couldn't work out why I was stressed about like deadlines and getting things to print on time, which was amusing. Um, and then I studied anthropology at university. And I think quite frankly, that focus on like humans and culture really has just changed as a person and I think it's almost informed the way I like to work these days um so yeah any that anyway then in a nutshell graduated 
worked in agencies pretty much my whole career. So I was at um, Hill and Olsen Strategies, which I absolutely adore to this day. I'm still very close to the team there. Amazing, amazing company doing amazing work. Um, then I was at Edelman, Edelman Intelligence, which is very much like the data-driven arm of the business. And then I was at a great um, little Omnicom agency called Hall & Partners before dun 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 i got furloughed in the pandemic just like 50 percent of the population um so that was interesting um really really weird timing because i felt like i'd really hit my stride in my career i was like i'm smashing it loving my team loving the work i do really felt like everything was just like falling into place and then yeah that happened so i was like do you know what I'm just going to totally like utilize this opportunity um kind of got talking to various startups and I was always really kind of shocked by one the lack of knowledge around brand and the importance of it and then two the fact that even when small businesses and startups were interested in brand and like the long-term importance then the lack of budget for it so I was just like, okay, I'm going to make this um, like make this information accessible because not everybody has the budget for a big, shiny agency like all the agencies I've worked at. So that's where the idea for uh, my newsletter initially came about. And then I started doing some pro bono work for some cool startups at the beginning. And then fast forward to where we are now, um, I'm actually like full-time working with some amazing startups um, and agencies actually. So yeah, kind of working on a freelance consultant basis on some really cool stuff. And quite frankly, as it stands, I don't know if I'll ever go back to my old kind of work life. I'm loving what I'm doing. I feel like the autonomy is amazing and being able to choose like who exactly you're working with. Um, And I guess the main thing for me is just helping all these clients really maintain or continue to or even start to just really put humans at the absolute center of what they're doing and like make decisions around that so you said something there that i want to i want to use to kind of kick off this conversation um about branding and b2b because i think if any area needs more brand knowledge and how to build successful brands it's in b2b um we all know that b2b can sometimes be mislabeled as boring um, though to be fair when you're seeing the same kind of handshake stock image or light bulb stock image being pumped out across b2b company social media profiles it is understandable um, but you know I, I i choose to believe and i think that you know this um this reputation that b2b may have uh, received as being a little bit boring um comes from as you said a lack of knowledge right where do you even start Uh, when it comes to building a brand there is a huge emphasis on marketing teams within b2b to deliver commercial value which is quite right and that usually comes in the form of leads delivering marketing qualified leads and they're great at capitalizing on kind of short-term demand for your for your product or your service but taking that longer term view you know how do you capitalize on opportunities in the future that may not be visible to you now that comes down to building out a successful brand. So let's start here. What is a brand strategy? Yeah, great question. Um, so I think the best way to answer that question is by separating those two words. So you've got brand and you've got strategy. 
let's look at what both of those are independently and then you'll pretty much understand what it is so I think a really nice way of explaining what brand is um I've heard this quote um quite a lot around the place I want to say Jeff Bezos said it but anyway regardless your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room so based on that is how like you're perceived like your character uh, and when I say you're, I'm referring to like the business. I'm almost treating the business as if it were a human right now. Um, so all of that kind of stuff. And then the strategy part is essentially how do you get to that point? What are all the things you are doing in order to create that brand? Um, it's essentially like your roadmap and your um, instruction manual to get there. Um, I feel like a lot of people, and this really, it's like a pet peeve of mine, a lot of people when they talk about brand are referring to logos, colour palettes, like aesthetics only. And I'm just like, oh, that is the most frustrating thing because obviously a brand is just so much more than that. It's like the way you make people feel, like what people remember when they think about you, all of this stuff that's a lot more emotional, a lot more deep. Um, Yeah, so I think in a nutshell... It's like the character of a business, like the personality of a business. And then, yeah, as I said, strategy is making that happen, making it come to life. Yeah. I don't want to go toe-to-toe with Jeff Bezos, um, but I I, I, <laughs> I, I I do agree with him. I think I would uh, – my, my interpretation of brand, and I'd like to get your two cents on this, mm. has always been a collective social understanding of what your company represents. And – I think that ties to something you said in your intro, which was, you know, your brand is across every single touch point. It is how a customer discovers you. It's how they learn about you. It's how they're onboarded into your into your organization or, or onto your products and your services. It's that entire customer journey. And even to the point where they may leave your business um, and you know, go to a competitor. You know that experience, and what what that does that what does that look like, and what does that feel like? It's everything that you represent, and it exists across everything. Um, would you agree with that? Yeah. No, I would. I definitely would. I think something again, like having the parallel between a brand and like a person, and how they come across is almost this element of like performance and how one person can actually be different to so many people depending on like what that relationship looks like and depending on like needs so again I'd say there's that element to a brand and a business as well but I think ultimately yeah like there's very much that huge breadth and like so many different parts of life and like again like you said those touch points where it's the collection of all of those that really does define um, what the brand is. And equally, just like people, I think it's the same. Like people perceive you based on all the ways they interact with you. Um, and that may or may not be different depending on who's looking at it. So, yeah, I think you're definitely right. Because I think that's sometimes a misconception that that B2B companies can have, which is we talk about brand. We know that we want to have a well-known brand, a respected brand. But that's marketing's job to go out and to figure out and to and to and to fix, right? Um, 
but I've always viewed it as that, you know, <clears throat> brand isn't just marketing. It's, it's everything. And if, I mean, I'd be interested to know, like when you're kind of going in and you're speaking to your CEOs that you're kind of consulting and, and you're speaking with, you know, what are you saying to them if, if they have this misconception that brand is just the logo? It's just the thing that sits with marketing. Mm-hmm. Good question. Um, something I found really interesting, actually, and even on a really personal level, I've experienced this, and I'd actually be really interested to hear your point of view on this, but I feel like the, <clears throat> excuse me, marketing, brand, PR, advertising, everything in that realm, I feel like there's a lot of confusion. I feel like there's a lot of overlap in places. Um, and I feel like the implications of that are really interesting. So I've worked at agencies that have often tried to, um, be kind of full service, move out from say, uh, being traditional PR focused to working more on brand, um, all of that kind of stuff. Then we hear the term like Marcoms, like marketing communications, and then, again, how different agencies define themselves. I think there are a lot of blurred lines. And then I think when taking yourself out of our industry and then working with clients who don't live and breathe what we do every day, they often don't know what their actual need is. So I've had briefs come in from prospective clients being like, we need help with uh, positioning, we need help with planning this campaign, we need help with um, executing it. We need somebody to do like the SEO and the website. We need somebody to do the packaging. And I'm like, whoa, okay, let's pause, Mm. step back. Like really great to have all your needs. But then I have to go in and be like, look, this is what I can help you with. These are my recommendations in these areas. But for example, with SEO, like yes, one marketer might be a pro in that. I am not your person. Like I will focus on brand and comm strategy, but I'm not going to be able to give you the best information on SEO specifically. Like you need a specialist for that. And that's okay. Um, So I think the key learning there is just that actually sometimes, actually no, frequently, people might not know what like brand strategy is. Even if they're already coming to me for help, they might not know what is actually you know, entail the marketing because they're not people that consider themselves marketing professionals. They just don't know. Um, and that's, I think that's okay. And that's fine. Based on that, I think it's quite interesting from my perspective and my career. Sometimes I get very apprehensive almost to like box myself in, mm. even though I do consider myself like definitely a strategist when it comes to brand and comms. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, how do you feel? What's your experience of all of that? Um, and like the definitions and the overlap between each kind of subdiscipline, as it were. Yeah, it's really interesting, and I think particularly for the kind of clients that you work with, which which are startups. Which, um, I, you know, I've never worked directly in a startup, but I've worked in organisations whose marketing function is very similar to that of a startup, in that it is kind of just getting off the ground mm-hmm. um, and perhaps, you know, a slightly smaller budget than you'd expect for a company of, of its particular size. Um, but, you know, there's, there's been a realization internally that, hey, you know, marketing can actually be a commercial driver for this organization and, and thus we need to start investing in it. Um, you know, it's, yeah. it's easy for founders or CEOs in that kind of context to come up with a kind of checklist 
um, of marketing-esque things that need to be done and then try and dump those all onto an individual or, you know, an agency and say, I just kind of need it all because I've read about it or I've, you know, my CEO friends are doing it or my kids are doing it and I, uh, and, and, now, and now we need, we need all of that too, you know. What I would say in that circumstance or what I would think is that sorting out the brand strategy first is going to save you a lot of problems in the long term because it's very yeah, easy to go in definitely. and yeah and just start running campaigns and doing kind of tactical things and it's you know there's there's definitely a, a need for that and a space for that and it feels good you know like when you publish a blog post and you get a, a good amount of traffic or you get a couple of leads through the door and that's all and that's all great right and there's definitely a space for experimentation an immediate experimentation but i think where brands may fall into a little bit of trouble at the beginning is if they don't actually sit down and have this conversation with either themselves or a brand strategist like yourself and say who are we like what are we doing here like what are we trying to change why do we exist mm-hmm. you know yeah. if you don't if you're not answering those questions at the very beginning then as you scale your organization and you suddenly get you know a bunch of salespeople going out there and, and telling your story, a bunch of product people out there developing new solutions based on what they're seeing in the industry. And you haven't got that kind of like North yeah. Star to point it all back to. Once you've reached yes. a certain scale, it is so hard to then get everyone back on the same page and get alignment. So I would, I, you know, again, not having worked in a, in a startup environment as you have um, or on an agency side, I can only go by, you know, my experience and my intuition, but I feel like having those conversations at the beginning is so, so important. Yeah, 100%. And I love that you bring that up because it really is everything. Um, I had a meeting um, last month at some point where um, a client just really wasn't sure where to start. They were like, okay, we've got this campaign to run, but like, this is who we think our target audience is. Um what should we do? And I was just like, okay, how much more information on the target audience do you have? Like, what else do you know about them? Um, what is the overarching like objective here? Like, what does this brand want to achieve? Like, does it have a mission? What are the values? All of that kind of stuff. And then it turns out that there was a huge opportunity there to really build something way more robust and articulate what this client really wanted to be giving to the world. Um, And then we had to kind of backtrack almost and then start with that audience research and really kind of introspectively look at what the overarching kind of plan is here. Um, And I think that kind of goes back to your question earlier about like what is brand strategy? I think ultimately it really starts with the fundamentals of, you know, what is your brand's purpose? Like what is your vision here? What is it that you are wanting to bring to the world? based on this business that you have created um and then how are you going to communicate that so I have tried to articulate this in a really really simple and accessible way um, on my newsletter I know you've seen my kind of brand strategy 101 guide mm. um but in that it just covers like kind of defining your purpose and your mission statement then going on to your target audience then looking into like the landscape that you're operating in and the competitors there and how you fit within all of that. Um, then the fun 
and like creative elements of it. So like what platforms you're on, the content you're putting out there, the creative side of things. Um, and then once you started to do that, then of course the measurement and reporting comes in and then you can use all of that data to um, kind of improve what you're doing next time and then plan for the future as well, which is really fun. So it's almost a bit cyclical, no, cyclical, cyclical. <laughs> sorry, I was like trying to say circular and like cyclical at the same time. Um, yeah, a bit cyclical, which is um, fun. But yeah, I think crucially there are just these basic elements of and I would really call them basic like understanding of your target audience understanding of like who you are what you want to do and simply how to how you're going to do that um so yeah um I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely link to the brand um to the brand 101 guide that, that you put onto your um onto your newsletter in, in the description of this episode, because I think it was one of the first things of yours that I read. And, and for me, it just really kind of summed up. It's something, it was something that was super actionable that if you are a CEO and you're kind of considering an investment in your brand strategy and perhaps looking for someone like you to kind of come in and help advise, it's kind of a precursor that you can take away. And even just on a single page, just write down some answers to those mm-hmm. things, you know, like, who are we going after? Why do we exist? What kind of platforms do I feel um, uh, that I should be kind of active on? How could I possibly measure this? And then when it comes to, you know, bringing on a consultant like yourself, um, at least they've already done some, some, some of the work up front that you can then go out and validate and actually confirm whether, you know, what the, what the CEO or the executive team believes is in fact, correct. Um, and, you know, they are looking at the right kind of platforms. They do understand their audience in the right way. And if there are any gaps that you can kind of go in and fill. So I'll be share, I'll be sure to share uh, that, 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 that link in the description this by for anyone that's interested. Um, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on, I think, every, you know, every CEO in the world is going to say, is going to listen to this and say, well, you know, of course I want a good brand, right? Um, who, who would want a bad brand? Yeah. Um, yeah. Beyond the problem of scalability so once you kind of hit a certain size then kind of going back and doing this brand development work and getting everyone on the same page are there any other kind of benefits that you're going in into a ceo who perhaps is kind of sales or commercially minded maybe is a little bit on the fence about whether they should be investing in brand strategy or not you know what kind of reasons are you giving them as to why a b2b company should have a brand strategy I think it comes down to really, really simply, like, are you just working on your business for today and tomorrow just to make a quick buck? In which case, by all means, just put your paid social ads out there and like be done with it. Or are you trying to build something for a future? Are you trying to do something with meaning? Like, do you really care about this? Um, Mm. Do you want to actually like touch people's lives and like make the world a bit, a bit of a better place? Um, in which case you should be investing in your brand. I think the other kind of direct comparison between just doing like marketing and just advertising potentially for quicker sales is that while you'll get more immediate results with those, um, if you want to be getting traction with your brand and sales longer term with almost less effort, then you need to be investing in your brand because 
that is why people remember you. You will build up this brand equity that lasts forever if you do it correctly. Um, so kind of longer term, the more you invest in your brand, the stronger it's going to be, the less money you'll have to spend on the marketing and advertising side of things. Um, and I think touching on what you were saying before, um, the thing about brand and brand strategy is I think there's so much passion behind it. It's really, there's a lot of kind of emotional and motivational stuff there. It's about people's ambitions for the world, people's ambitions and kind of aspirations for what they want to do with the business. And then kind of connecting that with humans and what human needs are and, you know, how can we really make people's lives better? Um, and I think because that's also kind of emotive, it makes this kind of work really fun. So if anybody, for example, saw my guide on Anthro and then, you know, wanted to start putting together their basic brand strategy themselves, like I'd hope they actually really enjoyed doing that because it should be something you just spend some time and, you know, really give some care and attention to and almost feels quite indulgent because of that, which I think is great. So like the fact you can call that work is just like pretty cool to me anyway. And that's why I think with me personally right now, like some of the clients I'm getting to work with because they are doing such positive things for like society and whatnot. Um, I just find it all very inspiring and um, Mm. exciting. Sorry, getting a bit tongue-tied there because I'm so like, oh, I love it. But yeah. No, it's 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 okay. It's okay. And for everyone for everyone listening to this, we are recording this last thing on a Monday, um, so I'm feeling a little bit frazzled too. But I think we're making we're making a good go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to pick up on something you said there about how important it is to invest in the short term in order to benefit over the long term. And I think you know, yeah. going back to something I said right at the, right at the beginning about. B2B marketing teams, you know, having this intense pressure to go out there and win leads, right? Because leads mm-hmm. are something that can be very easily measured, right? You either get them or you don't. Yeah. Um, now, the quality yeah. of those leads is a whole other discussion. But still, you know, if you put out a white paper and you target 50 downloads and you get 100 downloads, great. You've done a fantastic job for the week. Um, mm-hmm. And and what's that? What's that? What 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 that is doing is it is capitalizing on your in-market demand, right? There are people out there who are potentially mm-hmm. interested in your product or your service today, and as such, they are listening to your webinar, they're downloading your case study, you know, whatever it is, they're interested today. You know, my experience in B two B is primarily working in organizations who have incredibly long sales cycles, right? Anything from three months mm-hmm. to, in some cases, even three years, right? Um, from the point of customer learning about something and then actually going ahead and and, and purchasing it, because there is just so much mm-hmm. money on the line, like you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of dollars. But yeah. whilst the sales cycle is long, the window of opportunity is typically very small relatively speaking. So the the time in which they are actively looking for a product or service that, you know, the company I've been working for is going to sell them, um, mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of things, is, is a couple of months. And if you miss that window as a, as a brand, then you may not get another opportunity to pitch and win that client for years because we're talking about big enterprise-level technology that once it's bedded in is very hard to get out right um and that's for me why i always go back to saying how important brand is because 
if your window of opportunity is so small and the sales cycle is so long and the product or service they buy is going to be so embedded in their organization that ripping it out is, you know, incredibly difficult, if not impossible, then you want to do everything you Mm -hmm. absolutely can to get them to come to you because you don't know necessarily when that window of opportunity is going to be there, right? Like they, they may know in their organization, we're going to be in the market for product X in April of next year. You don't know that. So you've got to do everything you can up front to build a brand that's memorable so that when they are ready to buy, you're Mm -hmm. not relying on them. Sorry, you're not relying on yourself to be publishing a case study, white paper, webinar, whatever it is at the time that they're looking for that product or service. You want them to know that's the company I want to be working with. That's the company I should be considering. They need to come. uh, We should be going to them. Exactly. That is absolute music to my ears. And I love that Like we're clearly singing from the same hymn sheet because um, quite frankly, yeah, the ambition should be to have a positive reputation precede you. And if you're doing a good job, like you said, like you shouldn't need to worry so much because people will be coming to you. And that is certainly the case in B2B context as well, not just um, consumer focused businesses. So yeah, 100%. Um, I think there are so many brands that do a really good job um, of that. And I think just kind of going back to, I'm not sure if we like talked about it in depth before, but just the whole concept of B2B and how much there is such a huge opportunity there to be really exciting and just Mm. think about it more from a human perspective because just because it is B2B, like business to business, doesn't mean it's just like any less interesting than B2C. In fact, it's the same. I think there's the same level of opportunity there to make cool stuff happen um, and make it exciting and make kind of campaigns emotional and just resonant. Um, I love the term business to human, which again, I've definitely included that in my newsletter on Anthro at some point about how B to H is the new B to B because again, at the end of the day, like as a marketer, if you are communicating with, like if you're in a B to B situation and your kind of end client as it were is another business, it's not though. The people inside that business are still people, right? So you are going to have to appeal to them just like you would any other human. So interacting with them and marketing yourself to them in a more human way, in a way that resonates, that is a lot more kind of colorful and exciting and, you know, emotionally driven and showing that you really understand them, that is going to serve you so much better long term. I couldn't agree more. And I think it's one of the biggest misconceptions about B2B marketing b2b companies that it has to be emotionless and rational um because you know if you if you as a consumer go out there and buy a banana and you realize actually i don't really like the banana you can throw the banana away and no one's going to know any different right you haven't really wasted or lost anything if you're a b2b buyer and you're going out there and you are putting your reputation on the line by recommending Mm -hmm. uh, a business to which your company is going to pay tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars for a service. That is a pretty bloody emotional decision for a B2B buyer to be mm-hmm. making because if they get it wrong, they may not be able they may not be able to put food on the table anymore for their family next month. Um, yeah, because exactly. they could they could lose their job, right? So I, I think the whole B2B emotionless, functional, rational, features, pricing, the whole shtick. Uh, uh, there's there's a hundred percent 
more to it than than just that and as you say investing in that emotion is such a big part of building a brand um there was a great study yeah. that came out by the linkedin b2b institute and a company called system one i think who are they've got like an emotional measurement tool and they found that three quarters of b2b ads contributed absolutely nothing to the bottom line in that really all the organization putting it out there was competing on was how much money they could pump in just to getting it in front of as many people as possible it didn't create any kind of you know emotional connection or impact the creative was just completely ineffective and what that tells me is that for b2b brands there is a huge opportunity there because you know if you just if you just dial up the kind of emotion that you're putting into your creative or into your into your branding by 10 percent, you're going to stand out from all of your competitors yeah. just by virtue of the fact that you're doing something about it, you know? Yeah, exactly. And then not to mention the fact that if you are putting something out there that is kind of memorable and resonates in the first place, you're going to be remembered and you'll have to spend less next time in terms of staying kind of front and center of someone's mind because you're already there and you've made an impact on them as opposed to all the other B2B brands who just made something really gray and boring who didn't stand out and therefore the end consumer and client can't even remember kind of their name or anything they've done. Um, 100%. I also think there's just a massive opportunity for brands in the B2B space to kind of simplify. Um, I was working on um, a tech company recently relatively recently who um it's just like a big computer company basically and we were looking at some of the products that they were trying to focus on and one of the key findings when looking at kind of media industry and the brands who are actually getting the most traction in the space that were their competitors was that like key messaging like making it really simple like obviously you're a massive kind of tech company that has so many products but ultimately within your kind of end client's business the end client is going to be in charge of like one specific area and that's what they're going to be focusing on so just speak their language meet Mm. them where they are focus on what they need to know and like leave out the rest just really kind of fine tune and streamline your key messages so that they really fit with whoever you're trying to target um so that it resonates it doesn't need to be really complicated just because you're in tech or like just because you're one of the biggest kind of you know, players in the space. And I think simplifying messaging in that sense as well is just kind of underutilized. I think, um, so I've never used Salesforce or anything they've ever kind of produced, but they always impress me because of how accessible they come across. Um, So I always feel like they're quite a good example. They've got like a really... I feel like they're quite casual, but quite friendly in how they come across and they love that. Um, Not to mention as well, great example, like the fact that their conference, I don't know if it's happening next year, right? Because of the pandemic and whatnot, but Dreamforce that happens every year in San Francisco, um, their reputation certainly precedes them. They are just such, I don't know, it's just like so hyped and they come across so well. And, you know, if you even just scroll through their Twitter, they'll do at the moment like webinars with like stars off like Netflix shows to um, current customers, just such a variation and like really different ways of Mm. showing 
how relevant they are, but also just, um, I guess, just making themselves like attractive to like, on a human level to like our sensibilities and like that in client sensibilities, which again, is just really nice. And I think they do that really well. They talk to their buyers like what they are, which is humans, you know, and yeah, they're finding ways exactly. to, they're finding ways to connect with their customers on a personal level. And I remember yeah. I did a interview with a guy called Jonathan, who's the chief marketing officer of a company called Trainual. I talk about this example all the time in my newsletter and on my podcast, but I'll do it again. They did a 60-second ad on their, on their platform, which effectively allows organizations to create playbooks on how they want to run their company. So, for instance, you could go out there and you could... Um, you know, if you have a particular onboarding experience that you want rolled out with every new hire, um, you can create a playbook for your HR team and or the HR team can create it so that, you know, everyone's operating from, from the same, from the, from the same foundation. Um, uh, and they did a great 60 second ad with some former castmates of the U S office. And, um, Mm. it did, it was recorded, it was recorded during the pandemic. I believe it was done on the actors phones, um, and it was just those actors semi-reprising their roles and um, talking about some of the, the some of the benefits of the product as their characters, right? So, like one of the characters, Kevin, is a bit of a doofus in the TV show, and he kind of talks to that um, in the context of, of the Trainual platform. And uh, mm. I, I, I saw it on Instagram, and I had to reach out to them, and I recorded the interview with Jonathan telling me the story about how that all came together, because to me, it just you know, it felt like this is a brand that I want to know more about. I'm not maybe necessarily in the market for their product or service right now, but how many B2B brands do I see out there that are capitalizing on pop culture in that kind of way? You know, I'm interested in the office yeah. as a US TV, the US TV show. Uh, I've got memorabilia all over my office from it. It's one of my favorite TV shows of all time. So, you know, even though I am not in the market for their product or service right now, if I ever am, they're going to be the ones that come to my mind straight away because they invested in creative and uh, in a sensible, smart way that wasn't just getting celebrities for the sake of getting celebrities. It was tied back to the, you know, the message of their organization, which is about bringing, um, bringing, uh, bringing process and um, sense to what can be a chaotic workplace environment, which if anyone's seen the office, the US version, it is very much the definition of a chaotic work, in, work uh, office environment. And they just did it in a really, <laughs> they just did it in like a really smart, clever way. And the results were phenomenal. They yeah. got 2000, I think, new accounts off the back of that one piece of one piece of creative. So, and, and Jonathan said something to me, which Incredible. I, yeah, Jonathan said something to me, which I'll, I'll, I always, I always think about, which is, you know, as a B2B company, you should be asking yourself, how can I, how can I reach my customers when they log off from work? And, you know, I'm as a, as a B2B buyer, right. I'm not going to sit there and probably read a case study or a white paper or listen to a technical webinar once I shut, shut my laptop off at five. But if I'm on Instagram or something and I see an ad like the one Trainual did, yeah, I'm going to engage with it. And yeah, I'm going to go to their website and I'm going to learn a little bit more about them and make a note to you know, reach out to them the following day because they've delivered yeah. to me something entertaining and educational when I least expected it. And they stand out for virtue of that fact. Exactly. And it's those kinds of brands that even if it is out of hours, 
if you can, you know, be so engaging that you are going to encourage your end prospective client to, you know, make a like little bookmark of that to go check out later, then like, boom, like job done. I think that's brilliant. I also just love, so I feel a bit um, ashamed to say I've never watched The Office, but that oh. does sound like an amazing campaign. So I will need to check it out for sure. Um, brilliant. I also, I just on that, I don't know like lived under a rock my life or something but the office <laughs> and like even like friends i have i've recently started to try and watch some friends but like i feel like growing up i just didn't like watch all this stuff that everyone else talks about <laughs> shameful isn't it yeah you need to you need to pick up the office at least just just watch watch a season watch from season two season one's a bit it's a bit it's a bit uh tricky to get into um but season from season two yeah. it really picks up it's phenomenal i definitely recommend checking it out so hey i want to ask is you is steve carell in it he is yeah he is um steve carell uh and there's mindy kaling in it mindy kaling's in it yeah um oh, so john amazing. krasinski who did uh jack reacher on amazon um so yeah, yeah. I, my, Steve Carell's in it. He leaves in season seven, I think, and it goes on for a couple more seasons after that. But it's all good. Ed Helms is in it from Hangover. Um, it's all good. I, I would highly recommend. So all these it. amazing people. Yeah. Yeah. I'll get I on wanna, it at some point. I don't want to turn this into. I don't want to turn this into an office episode. But like, it is funny rewatching it, seeing a lot of these ama- <laughs> these like incredibly now famous faces who had little yeah. kind of cameos on The Office when they were first starting out their careers, like. Um, Amy Adams is on it in like season two for like six episodes. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it, it was just before she really <laughs> took off and I think like won an Oscar or something. So highly recommend you check it out. Um, I want to ask you one final question about, about brand, um, which is, you know, mm-hmm. how do you measure it? You know, how, how if, mm. if you've got a CEO who is ready to invest in building out their brand strategy on the condition that, we need some way of being able to measure its impact and its success, which is fair. What would yeah. you say? To, what would you say to that CEO? Yeah. So, um, I firstly be intrigued to see if they are doing anything already, or have they ever, or like what their existing knowledge looks like in that space. Um, on the most part, bigger companies traditionally have always used like big, heavy brand trackers. Um, and for the uninitiated, what that is is a lot of quant research and surveys and stuff that's really boring and a lot of times gets um, repeated on like a cyclical basis, asking people the same questions um, so that you can keep a track on how people, when I say people, I mean the brand's target audience, how their opinions of the brand kind of change over time. And things like brand love, awareness, stuff like this can be tracked in that way. Um, These days, I wouldn't recommend that approach simply because it's so um, time intensive, also very costly because of the labour involved. And it also takes a lot of time. So I would just, it's like a kind of like a treasure trove when looking at like all the fun ways people can kind of use data to um, inform their brand tracking these days. But I think my initial go-to would just be to use social media. So for example, for brand awareness, you can use stuff like reach to followers, to stuff like that, or like mentions of your brand. Um, Ordinarily, I would recommend using social listening tools to do that. So you've got Talkwalker, Brandwatch, things like that. 
And then other things like brand love, for example, and using this kind of social media way of um, like social listening approach to measuring, um, you can essentially write your own like queries as it were. So if you wanted to measure brand love, for instance, you could write lots of keywords associated with love for your brand or kind of positive um, perceptions of it so that the tool then picks up any of those positive mentions alongside mentions of your brand and then you can use that and then measure that over time as well so you can kind of set up that in whatever tool you're using and then every so often like if you're reporting monthly or kind of quarterly whatever that looks like you can just plug into your software and take like a dipstick measurement of like how things have changed um the same goes for kind of anything else as well like any attributes that you want to look into um whether that's love propensity to buy um awareness as i said like whatever the metrics are that you use there are so many ways now to track it and of course you've not only got like social listening like social and online news data but your web data as well just ultimately talk to somebody who knows about measurement um see what data sources you've got at your fingertips and then have a little experiment like see which ones you which data sources you can use that um accurately represent all of the different brand measurement metrics um Mm. If that makes sense. If that doesn't make sense, I'm sorry, but I, I feel like measuring stuff is actually so like fun and so exciting. Like there's something about all the data sets you have available um, that get me really excited. So please feel free to just like, I don't know, find me on Twitter and tweet me being like, what were you talking about? How can I actually do this in practice? Um, but yeah. No, that makes, to- that makes total sense. Does that answer sense. your question? <laughs> it, it, no, it absolutely does. Okay. It absolutely does. And, you know, we were talking just before we, <laughs> uh started recording about kind of social media and the what you're seeing in the space which is increasingly b2b organizations going out there and investing in their social media and creating the opportunities to kind of Mm. to to capture that data um which is obviously incredibly exciting you know some um something that i've kind of thought about in the past is also you know if you are working in an organization that's maybe a little bit skeptical around kind of brand development and they just need some sort of validation before you can start sometimes i think hr is a place that you can turn to in order to quickly get a a brand experiment off the ground um just to to, to, to give yourself the tools to go and have uh to go make the case for more brand budget and what i mean by that is I, I don't think brand building is just one of the objectives of brand building necessarily is just sales. It could also be something like talent acquisition mm-hmm. because companies, yeah, definitely. You know, right. Cause companies, you know, people want to go work for companies that, you know, are either well-known or have a mission they believe in or can offer them great opportunities. Yeah. And if I were in a company where I was, you know, having to make the case for brand strategy and brand building, I would probably go to HR and say, mm-hmm. you know, give me, a type of role that you're currently recruiting for, um, let's say that's a developer, and let's create a brand campaign around targeting developers who perhaps are in the market for a new job. And then you could measure it um, over a period of time, you know, a quarter or so, to see whether the, uh, the quantity of applications that you've received for a developer position um, or, or a bunch of developer positions have increased. Um, and the, yeah. the benefit of doing something like that is obviously you're not in it alone. 
right? Because remember, going right back to the very beginning of what we were talking about, which is, you know, brand isn't just marketing. It's not just sales. It's every part of the organization. If you go to someone like HR and you say, I want to help you do your job better by building out our brand and recruiting better talent, then you've already got an internal advocate who's going to be ready if you're successful to beat the drum with the CEO and say, we need to be doing more about this. 100%. I absolutely love that experiment idea. And what I will say is that I think in future, internal culture and the reputations of what it's like on the inside of businesses is going to be increasingly important. Um, I think when it comes to like ethics of businesses, how they treat um, their staff, their kind of diversity efforts, all that kind of stuff, um, and ultimately creating a healthy um, internal work culture and nurturing their internal teams is essentially a, I think, an indicator of what good they are going to be or already bringing to the world. Um, and quite frankly, I feel like end clients and end audiences will continuously and increasingly pay more attention to the internal kind of parts of businesses in order to judge them. And that will inform more of their own decision making. Like, oh, does that brand look after their own people? Yeah. Okay, cool. I want to work with them. Do you know what I mean? 100%. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. So I love that. Yeah. So this has been a fascinating conversation about brand building in B2B. Um, for anyone who has any more questions, perhaps wants to bring you on to consult for them on their own brand strategies, where can they find you? Yeah, so um, you can check out my website, which is www.anthro.global. There's a contact form on there. You can also... Um, link to my Substack through that. So if you want to read any of the free advice that I give out every week on there, um, by all means do. And then on a more casual basis, I am at Sanyajit with no hyphen on Twitter. So that's S-A-N-Y-A-J-E-E-T. So yeah, please like tweet at me as well. Um, I think that's it. So yeah. Sanya Tandy, founder of Anthro. Thanks very much for coming on B2B Better. Thank you so much, Jason. It's been so much fun. I'm so excited we finally got to do this. So amazing. And that's it for this episode of B2B Better. If you found it useful, go ahead and leave a rating, a review, or just shoot me a DM on Twitter telling me so. It will make my day. You can find me at Jason R. Bradwell. Also, why not check out my weekly newsletter, The B2B Byte, where I break down marketing strategies and tactics for B2B leaders into fun size, actionable chunks. You can find the link in the description of this episode. If you've got any questions or there is a burning topic that you'd like to hear me talk about on B2B Better, or you'd like to appear on an episode, you can connect with me on Twitter or find me on LinkedIn. See you next time.